Okay, we've officially gone too far. We've gone too far with the beeps, but I don't know. It's a, it's a Monday vibe, and we'll, we'll accept it. Leafs brunch. That's is, right, Julia. I just said Leafs brunch. I guess it's about one o'clock. Leafs lunch is brought to you in part by Two for One Pizza dot com. Enjoy plant based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. This is Two for One Pizza dot com. I'm kind of into Leafs brunch. This is your show, anyway. It's, <laughs> it's not Al's brother's show. It's your show, and I'm a guest. So whatever you want goes today. I'm kind of into Leafs brunch. It's the one o'clock hour now. So the twelve to one is Leafs lunch, and then the one to two is Leafs brunch because that's when we start. I don't know. I don't know. You, I don't know. So like, <laughs> I I had quite the eating regimen, especially when I played. So I would do a breakfast. I would do a lunch. I would do another lunch after that, and then there was a dinner, and then like a smaller dinner somewhere around eight thirty nine o'clock. Okay. And I've had to quite significantly cut down on my food intake that I'm not playing anymore. Now that um, you don't burn seven thousand calories on the ice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been. It's been a little bit of a struggle, both mentally and physically. Oh, that is hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I feel yeah. Even when I stopped playing in high school, I was like, God, I can't eat Mr. Noodles any day, every day anymore. Like, Mr. what's Noodles going on? Mr. Noodles is such a high school staple. Like, did I would you... crush Mr. Noodles before hockey practice in high school. But would you put them in water or would you just eat them raw right out of the package? I was not one of those sick, sick people on the back of the bus chewing on raw ramen noodles. Okay, so I was. I was. You're we, sicko. We, we used to do that, yeah. You brought pasta sauce on the road, but you chew on raw ramen noodles? Like, pick well, your Well, I mean, man. like, there's no science to this, Julia. You just got to <laughs> get the food, the fuel in you whenever you can. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Leafs have the Ducks tomorrow night. It's a game you can listen to on TSN 1050. Remember the last time the Leafs played the Ducks, Frankie, and it was it was I forgot about an OT it. loss, and you know you no. blocked it out. Blocked um, it out. I don't blame you. It was part of that California trip that was almost personally an attack on Leafs Nation, who stayed up so late for all <laughs> those all those games, only for them to uh, get walked almost the entirety of the road trip. But it's like we're watching a different team now. They they look. Isn't it going to be jarring? It can't be jarring. Uh, I, I did an interview with Megan Bozak over the weekend, and we were kind of talking about the Leafs and um, and Mitch Marner specifically, and she was like, it can't be so jarring when eventually he doesn't get a point. Um, sometimes there's <laughs> a, like, it can't be so yeah, jarring, but At it some will point, be. he's not going to get a point. At some point, at some point the, the, the team is going to lose a game. Like, it's not, come yeah. on, you're not going to win 14 every game, game point streak, uh, 22-game point streak for Mitch Marner specifically. Um, he, won't it feel like a little weird when he doesn't actually record a point, though? Like, can you admit it'll be a little strange? Yeah, yeah. But, like, he has a chance every single night. That's the crazy thing. Like, he's, he's playing such a, a, a such a great brand of hockey right now. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's offense, it's defense, it's a 200-foot game, it's, it's special teams game. But the amount of time in a game that the puck goes through him is incredible. Like, he has so many opportunities to get points. So, um, yes, at some point it's going to end. At some point the team is going to lose. But for for the time being, like, these guys, they look unstoppable. Like, this is a 14-game point streak for the team. Matthews has 20 points. Nylander that's has That's interesting, 19. isn't it? Like, do you feel like yeah. that's kind of quiet in this 14-game point streak that Matthews it's, actually has the most points out of all the top guns? It, Definitely, because we never think about Matthews in assists. We always think about him with goals. And if he's not yeah. scoring goals, it's like, well, what's up with Matthews? And, and and the first little bit, the first part of the season, when Matthews wasn't scoring at the rate that he usually does, 
he was still getting a ton of assists. Like, and that's the great thing about Matthews. I, I know Marner's playing great, Nylander's playing great, but Matthews does so much outside of scoring goals for his team um, that it, it, it's just so impressive. And, um, you know, the goaltending's been really good, aside from Saturday night. Like, Murray's played great. He hasn't lost in regulation since he's returned. Um, so both goalies have been awesome. It's been... It's been a great stretch. Like there's, you, you know, you can nitpick maybe one or two things, but there is there is not much there. It's got to be, it's just got to be the best feeling as a player or or a any kind of personnel on this team going to the going to the rink every day. Oh yeah, it's got to be a party. I think they had their holiday party yesterday, actually. Okay, just before we bring James Myrtle in, I want to play this Sheldon Keith audio on William Nylander, so we can all kind of give a little reaction to it on the other side. I think it just gives context as to William Nylander and his maturity and uh, needing less pushes from Sheldon Keith like he has in the past. Let's let's roll that now, Owen. I think it's a combination of things. It's a combination of I mean, he's he's maturing. Um, you know, I think over time you. You get sick of having the coach in your ear all the time, and you want to just you want to get that sorted out yourself before the coach has to come and get there. I also think our players internally, uh, amongst themselves, are pushing each other. Those those top guys, they're pushing each other. Uh, and like I said, Willie, I think has potential to be in that top tier. You know, Austin and Mitch have really established themselves in that very exclusive top tier in the league. Willie should be right there hanging with those guys and. Um, he's pushing himself, and then they're all pushing one another, which I think is how the, how that group gets to even greater heights. They're soaring to great heights right now, Frankie. And with that, let's bring in from The Athletic, James Myrtle. And, and James, we just heard Sheldon Keefe kind of talk about William Nylander and how he might be entering the conversation that, that he kind of wasn't in before with Neil or with Marner and Matthews kind of existing in their own solar system at, at the top of the Leafs roster, and everybody else kind of being uh, in a different stratosphere. But William Nylander is is he entering the conversation to belong as a part of that upper echelon group? Yeah, I, you know, last I checked, he was seventh, tied for seventh in the NHL in goals. He was in the top twenty in scoring and points. You know, he's had good seasons, and he had a breakout season last year with a career year. But this is another level for him, and. The thing I really like about Nylander is he's been good from day one. He was good in training camp. He was good in preseason. He was good, right? Even when the most of the Leafs weren't good, I think you could you could probably argue Nylander was their best player or their second best player, maybe to John Tavares early in the year. And you know, it's it's been there the whole way through. And you you play him with uh, Tavares, you play him with Matthews. He's been good either way. And he's just he's such a weapon. And he he's got a great shot. He's a great passer great stick handler he just makes some of those moves look effortless and i think what you're seeing right now is william nylander at the peak of his powers you know he's in his career peak in terms of his age and it just seems like the last couple of years he just keeps getting better and better and you know i i wonder you know he's obviously i think 40 goals as well within reach you wonder if he's a guy who can get 45 or maybe even 50 one year just with the his skill level and all of a sudden he's looking like a guy that you really want to keep around when when that contract comes up in another year and a half yeah so james you've covered willie right from day one right from when he was drafted here when he broke into the league like is this is this kind of what you expected nylander to get to or did you maybe expect him to get here earlier or, or not at all? Like, where did you kind of see the progression of Willie Nylander, um, you know, from, from his arrival onto the scene here in Toronto? Mm, I, I would say he's exceeded expectations. I mean, 
playoffs notwithstanding, I mean, I think there's, you know, the core head guys have a lot to prove in the playoffs, but, you know, he was an eighth overall pick. He slipped a little bit. I remember when they took him, it was a little bit of a surprise because a lot of people were talking about, you know, like I th- I'm pretty sure that was like the Nick Ritchie year that everyone was talking about. And are they going to go with with size? Or are they going to go for a defenseman? And and that was right after Brendan Shanahan came in as president. It was like the first pick that was made with Brendan Shanahan in the organization. And I remember when they took William Nealander at the draft, it's like, oh, I see. They're like, this is going to be like the beginning of the skill movement uh, at the top of the organization, and it, it's played out that way. So, you, you know, I think that the only missing piece for Nylander really in terms of, you know, his his presence uh, among the best players is is to have a, an amazing postseason. And that's not to say he's been terrible in the playoffs of late, but, you know, I look at, you, you look at how many goals the Leafs are getting from their top four scorers lately. It's something like 66% of their goals over the last 20 games have come from the four guys that's kind of what they need in a playoff series. You know, you look at what Dreisaitl and McDavid did in, in the playoffs last year, and they had some series where they just dominated and the other team couldn't handle them. And the Leafs have that talent, and William Nylander has that talent. And so that's what we're all waiting for, and we're definitely seeing it right now during the regular season. Yeah, he's he's been actually decent in the playoffs. Everybody else dries up in the playoffs, but Nylander's been able to get a couple off. Um but you're right. I think everybody on the Leafs just needs that postseason success in order to really cement themselves as those top, top guys, even though they're playing like they are right now uh, with James Myrtle right now of The Athletic. And, and you were just talking about William Nylander and, and when he was drafted. But we're getting a really good look at two of the Leafs' former draft picks in, in Lilligren and Sandine that have really blossomed into impact players on this roster. How impressed by, are you by the stride that those two have taken this year? Yeah, and and doing it together too, and doing it on a second pair. And yeah, the, the question with those guys is, you know, like small, smaller, skilled defensemen, were, were they going to stall out as third pair guys, or they, were they going to be able to take the next step? And this is around the age where you would want to see them do it. And we've seen other players, you know, Travis Dermott's a good example, like just never was able to make that jump from being a 14 minute a night guy that's on the third pair to being something more than that. And right now over the stretch that they've been playing together and they've been playing in the top four, it's like, okay, you can like, you can really see the confidence in, in growing in both of them. You can see what they're bringing to the table that allows them to play in the top four. I didn't expect them to do it as a pairing just because they both bring somewhat similar elements, but I, I've been super, super impressed. And, and I, I got to say it a little bit unexpected. I thought they would be in trouble with, I think everyone probably did with all the defensemen that they're missing and who they were going to have to rely on. But Giordano's been great. Hall's been great. And and the kids on, on that second pair have been really, really good. And I like the way that Sandin's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's he's smart and he just moves the puck well. And Lilgren's just turning into a really nice all-around defenseman. And I think we, we saw some of that from Lilgren last year. He was playing with Giordano towards the end of the year. Looked really, really good, really solid. He would have been the one I would have expected to, to be a little bit further ahead. But now Sandin, you know, had a little bit of the contract dispute, and he comes back at a little bit of a slow start, and now he's playing great. So really, really good sign for the Leafs that potentially they have these two young guys making not very much against the cap for this season and next, and they might be able to be top four defensemen here right away. Yeah, you mentioned two smaller guys, two skill guys, uh, both having really good years. Um, this is going to be a little bit negative energy of me, but I'm going to ask it anyways because <laughs> I, I don't usually ask the negative energy questions. Does the smaller skilled defenseman worry you in the postseason at all? I, I heard a, I forget if it was Overdrive recently saying something like, you, you need one defense for the regular season and, and a different kind of set of defense for the postseason because it, it just really changes out there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's definitely been that school of thought around the NHL. I mean, you look at some of the teams that have won recently, like look at Tampa and all the size they have on the back end there and St. Louis and Washington, when they won, like just, you get a lot of guys, six, two, six, three, six, four. And the Leafs blue line is, is built a little bit differently than that. It's, you know, it's it's not, especially without Muzzin, you know, they don't have Labushkin from last year. There's not yeah. a physicality. There's not a clearing the net ability. I still think the Leafs are going to try and add someone like that, um, you know, by the trade deadline, uh, by March 3rd. But the question is, if you add somebody, who do you take out? You know, once Riley's healthy, it's, you know, it feels like everybody's played well. Maybe that's a luxury. You know, you bring someone else in and then, you know, you're sitting someone who's who's played well. That's that's depth, right? And then if you have an injury, you feel really comfortable with what you've got. But I think it's it's a fair criticism of the blue line that they don't have that element and that things could potentially change in the playoffs. And it's something they're certainly going to have to be aware of. It's interesting when you think about the playoffs, too, because I've I've always been of that mindset that you need certain guys that, you know, have that long range kind of bigger defensemen to to compete and succeed in the playoffs. But then watching Colorado last year, James, it felt like they were so efficient at getting the puck out of their zone that they spent so little time in there. And then I'm watching guys like Byram and McCarr and, um, you know, even like a guy like Manson and, and Johnson, like those guys, they're big, but they're not mutants. You know, they're not like devouring guys in the corners. They're just Manson's playing a, kind of a, a mutant. good game. He's a mutant, but he's, he's not. Borderline like, he's mutant. not massive. He's not Chara. He's not right. like that. He's 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 he a bigger up. guy. What is he? Six foot two, six foot three, two hundred yeah, pounds. Like that's tough. not crazy in today's NHL. But but if you like, like so so you need the big mutants until the day that someone wins a cup without those guys, and then you say, oh yeah, now we need the guys who move the puck out every single time on the first try, and we exit our zone at 90% every game. Like, is that something that's attainable? Is that, like, can they flip the script that way? I don't, I mean, they're doing it right now, right? So the question is, when you get in a series, a seven-game series against Tampa or Boston, is are you going to be able to be as effective? Like, it's one thing to do it against... LA on game 28 of the season and just like they just completely crushed the Kings by doing what just what you're saying that not spending any time in their zone and just firing it back up and the interesting thing too about the composition of the Leafs blue line is it's not like they have the best skaters in the world it's not like like they don't have a bunch of Macars not that no one has a bunch of Macars but you know what I'm saying like <laughs> yeah it's it, it's not like like Giordano's not fast Hall's not fast Sandine's not like it's not like they're blazing all around it's it's almost like they're just making smart outlet plays like kind of like a Sandine like he's not not the most agile guy out there not the prettiest skater but it doesn't matter because he's putting the puck in the right places and finding teammates and um I don't know. I, maybe there's a world where that works in the playoffs. I just, I don't know. It's, I, I, it, I definitely think that there's something to the game being different and there needing to be a level of physicality that's different and whether or not they can accomplish that without guys like Muzzin Labushkin, it remains to be seen. Ah, dot, dot, dot. It will be seen. With James Myrtle of The Athletic right now. Uh, in this 14-game point streak right now, James, Austin Matthews has 20 points. Uh, you tweeted the other night that he's now on pace for 44. Do you just see him continue to heat up? Like, do you see him starting to look more like himself? And I guess to quote your, your famous uh, your famous line, <laughs> 50 goals, you, you say I, he does it? Yeah, I think he can get to 50, yeah. I mean, and 
you know, it's the team hasn't said anything and Matthews hasn't said anything, but he he had to have been banged up there early in the year. He just wasn't shooting the puck the way that you had seen him last year. And it was a pretty stark, you know, I, it, Frankie was saying off the top, just like all the things that Matthews brings defensively. And we're seeing that. And if you look at the underlying numbers, like expected goals and puck possession and things like that, Matthews is first on the team and he has been all year. You know, he's still bringing that, that two-way play. But now you're starting to see more of the pop in his shot and his stick handling, and that's what he needs to get. And, you know, if you force me to make a prediction, I think he's probably going to fall around 55 goals. And whether or not that's going to put him in the conversation for the Rocket again is going to depend on what happens with some of the other stars around the league. Like, is McDavid right now, I think, is on pace for, like, 72 or 73 goals. Like, if he's going to do that and and just go completely ballistic, then Matthews isn't going to be able to catch him. But, you know, if McDavid and and Tage Thompson and and, uh, uh, Jason Robertson and Dallas, if they come back to the pack a little bit, maybe Matthews is going to have a chance. And if he stays healthy, maybe he's going to have a chance to get back in that conversation here towards the end of the year. And there's there's been so much noise around Marner and his his point streak and the team's play and, and Willie Nylander and all these great stories, but it, it really feels like, you know, Matthews has six goals in his last seven games and he's starting to heat up, but it feels really quiet. And it's it's because of a lot of the stuff you said, like McDavid is out in front, Robertson's having a great year, Tage Thompson, but like at some point it's it's gonna have to, there's gonna be a little more noise with Matthews, wouldn't there be? I, you know what, it, I, like I, even last year, it's like you start to take it for granted, which which sounds bad. You know, he gets 60 goals in 73 games last year, and it's just like, yeah, he's just going to score all the time. And it's not a story with Matthews until he's like just completely lighting the world on fire and winning games single-handedly because otherwise it's, you know, like his version of a disappointing, quote-unquote disappointing season is a 44-goal pace. Like that's a career year for the vast majority of the stars in the NHL. So I just think he set the bar so high last year that for him to generate buzz, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take something really special. Yeah, I like Jonas's piece, uh, his, his little Monday morning report today on just the nightmare fuel scenario that Matthews and Marner are, are currently causing for opposing NHL coaches. Uh, there was so much noise at the beginning of the season as to, not even at the beginning of the season, it wasn't that long ago, Matthews and Marner were split up and there was always this assumption that eventually they would be put back together. But right now, is there a better scenario than both of these guys just absolutely rolling on two separate lines and just causing that absolute headache for NHL coaches who are trying to line match? No, I really like it, and I think it will help them in the playoffs as well. And I like the way that Tavares looks with Marner, and I like the way – and with Nylander playing as well as he is. I, when they broke into the league, Nylander and Matthews played a lot together, and I, they were so fun to watch. Like they're They're very different players. They have a different style, but they're so skilled and – Nylander's not quite the setup man that Marner is because very few players in the league are, but they're just, I I don't know, it's like revisiting what they were doing earlier in their careers and putting them together again, and you can see that they're better players now, and they're kind of, they're using each other in different ways than they did back then, and it's just made them a really entertaining team to watch. And I, I, I guess the question for the Leafs is, which one of those forward lines is, is lazy or line that you want to play against other teams' top lines? Because when you have Matthews and Marner together, they're both so good defensively. It's a no-brainer that you're like, we're going to play those guys against Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron or, or against, you know, Kucherov or like you, you feel really good about that. When you split them up, it's less certain which of the, your lines you want to bury in the D zone and things like that. So that's why I think they stuck with it for so long. 
But as long as they're rolling like this, I wouldn't change anything. It almost feels like, remember when, when Marner's contract was coming up and, and there was a lot of talk about, well, you know, Marner's drives the line even though Tavares is a centerman. And that was fair at the time. And, and maybe over the years that, that Tavares and Nylander have played together, they've, they've lost a little bit of that. And I don't want to say drive because that's not the right term, but maybe they needed someone to drive that line a little more. And so now there was a little bit of an internal you know, uh, solution where you know Nylander goes up with Matthews, Tavares goes back with Marner, and now you see that second line or so-called second line gets driven more because Marner is out there with Tavares. Yeah, and they don't have the left wing that they like on that line either, right? So, you know, if, you, if you've got, like last year, you have Tavares and, and Nylander and you got Kerfoot there and it's not really working, and then all of a sudden it's like it's really felt like they had a first line and they had a second line, whereas right now with how they're playing, it's like they have two first lines. It's like both of those, like if you have Marner there and you have Matthews there and they're both on these huge point streaks and they're both on pace for, you know, 100 points or whatever, like that's really like having two first lines. And with the amount... Not not to go back to the money and everything again, but like with the amount they're allocating to the salary cap, that's kind of what they need. Like they need they need that like McDavid dry cycle thing where you can you can play them together or you can split them up. Like remember when the Chicago Blackhawks were so dominant and they won three Stanley Cups in six years and they had the ability to put Kane and Taves together, but they also had the ability to split them up. And either way, the other team had to try and adapt to it, and it was really, really difficult for them to do it. So I think that this makes sense, and I think that, you know, if there's a piece that the Leafs could add right now, if they can get another left winger there, all of a sudden you're looking at two really, really strong lines, and I think they're in good shape. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned him right there, and, and we I meant to bring him up today, but we haven't yet. Alex Kerfoot, where are you at with him right now? There's been more and more conversation about his cap hit with the Leafs wanting to bring in that uh, – forward that you were just talking about and I feel like he's been in kind of a tough spot because it feels like he doesn't have a, a really regular role he just kind of gets plugged into the spot where Sheldon Keefe needs a hole plugged but do the Leafs need more from him right now yeah he's not playing with a lot of confidence to my eye you know he's passing when he should be shooting and and vice versa although more so he's passing when he should be shooting and you know he's getting looks and Kerfoot's a, a really cerebral person and a cerebral player, and I think when it goes the wrong way for him, he has a tendency to kind of overthink things a little bit, and I think that's what you're seeing on the ice. And, you know, it very well, if the Leafs want to make big splashes at the trade deadline, they've got some cap space with the Muzzin on LTIR and that money, but that's probably, you're probably only looking at like three and a half or four million. If they want more than that to make a move at the deadline, there's some money that's going to have to go out, and I, you know, I mean, it would be, you know, Engvall's 2.25 or Kerfoot's 3.5 that they could look at moving and creating some more cap space. So that's why potentially you're hearing Kerfoot's name out there is just that the Leafs want to make a big splash and bring in a really big contract, which they might. I mean, there's some really interesting forward names available out there that make a lot of money. Then you might send Kerfoot the other way, and he's in the last year of his contract. Engvall's in the last year of his contract. Neither one of them is likely to be back. Um, so why not move them the other way if you're making an upgrade up front? One winger who's been playing great, especially of late, is is Michael Bunting, who has he's on an eight game game point streak and he, and he scores against Calgary. And like, how underrated has his game been? Because last year he kind of burst onto the scene with the Matthews and Marner line, and then it was now he's in the conversation for the Calder, and so there was a lot of noise there. But this year it's like. You know, after a little bit of a slow start, like like everyone else had with this team, it's been he's he's been playing really really good hockey of late, and, and it almost feels like it's been underrated with all the things that have gone on with this team. 
Yeah, and I've I've just noticed him a lot more, right? Like he's just in the play. He's he's chirping and he and he's battling in the corners and he's in front of the net and you know and that's what he needs to do. He just needs to be hyper engaged and just all over the place and ca- causing problems. And um, we weren't we didn't see a lot of that the first ten fifteen games and. You know, it's going to be really interesting with Bunting, you know, where they land. Like, is he going to be a long-term core piece? Is he someone, you know, he's a hometown guy, obviously loves playing there. He's become really close just off the ice with Matthews and Marner as well. Um, there's a good fit there. And, you know, I think it, how the rest of his season goes is really going to play a big part in determining whether or not he's a long-term piece in the Leafs' top six. And I think you're right. I think if he plays like he has the last 10 games, then I think it makes sense to try and keep him because he brings something different than a lot of the players the Leafs have up front. Absolutely. We were talking about eight years. I remember that was getting floated at the beginning <laughs> of the year. and Not exactly the case right now, but a lot of intrigue around Michael Bunting and a lot around the Leafs. Thank you so much, James, for, for your insight, for taking the time. We'll catch up uh, down the road. Okay, great. Have a good day, guys. Thank you. That's James Myrtle of The Athletic. Uh, there he goes, to quote Al's brother. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the same, actually, if we didn't use one there he goes today with no yeah. Al's brother. Though, though his dad, A.B. posted his first cruise story. First cruise content coming out from A.B. And, and we're seeing What did I tell you? What did I tell wear. you? There's, it, that was cruise wear at its Pete finest. Cruise it's, wear. Kinda, it's bright. It's colorful. There's a lot of air flowing through it. It's um, and that's cruiseware, yeah. Straight out of the Frank of Costanza closet. So good. Uh, just before we, we head to break, can we get into some what's in the group chat on the other side? Mitch Marney, KT, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, was going through the Sioux Greyhounds archives this weekend and tweeting out old videos of Sheldon Keefe, Michael Bunting, uh, Matt Murray. Like That crew was all there together at the same time. Kyle Dubas, too, she featured in a couple of videos. And there's one specifically I'm going to send to Owen during the break because it's Michael Bunting going on and on about how – Michael Bunting at the tender age of like 17 or 18, going on and on about how much Sheldon Keefe has done for his career, how much Kyle Dubas has done for his career, how grateful he was uh, to those too specifically for for his career just in the OHL at that point um I'd imagine he'd have kind of the same feeling towards them and and what they've done for his NHL career uh to this point so so maybe he'll he'll take the hopefully discount (laughs) 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 hopefully (laughs) just the way he was talking uh okay what's in the group chat on the other side for now it's Julia Tashiri and Frankie Carano you're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050 Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Whoa, 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 check this out. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? When it goes down. Are you texting? Oh, yeah. It goes down in the group chat. We have these big group texts. It's very late and my friend is a little unstable. We're talking action and overreaction. We sent 97 unanswered texts in a five-minute span. Leafs Lunch presents... My phone vibrated itself off the desk. What's in the group chat? This group is hotter than hot. Hey, Frankie, I don't know if we've done this one together before. I, I don't know if you've partook in this one, I mean. What's in the group chat? Not. So we're going to read some texts from group chats around Leafs Nation, maybe some from your Woodbridge group chat and, and all that jazz, and uh, we'll decide how we would respond to this text in the group chat. We Be- Before we it. get into it, like, are you are you a group chat person? Do you like a group chat? Oh, I love a group chat. I like to, I like to have too. the things popping off. And you know what? I, I like... 
I, I've been meaning to tell Brian Hayes I've got to give him some love because he's very recently uh, changed his language. He used to call group chats uh, text chains, and I always text find chains. that I don't yeah. know why it makes me laugh. But he's switched to group chat recently. I like that's kind chat. of I like and, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to insult Mr. Overdrive. He but took that ten years little, off his age by just calling it a group is, chat. Calling it a text chain is boomer esque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he he he's cleaned it up in the past little bit. So I've been meaning to give yeah. him some love for that publicly. I love I love a group chat. I love firing up a group chat, like just throwing three or four numbers together and be like, I want to send you all this text. So now you're all getting it at the same time. And let's you're see all forced in this room with me, and we're going to talk about it. And that's exactly yeah. what we're going to do right now. Right, uh, let's do it. Wayne Simmons was in the lineup on Saturday night. We we haven't talked about him at all because. Um, because we've talked about a lot this game, but it, it was one of the tougher parts. This is the text. There, that was a terrible penalty for Simmons to take on Saturday. Thumbs up or flush? It's a thumbs up, Julia. Listen, you, you already got the power play. It was not like anything egregious happened to Matthews. It was a, a cross check from behind that wasn't even into the board. So, you know, I, I understand you want to assert yourself in the lineup and you want to make sure that, you know, people know that you're on the ice and Matthews is on the ice and, and no one takes liberties at him. But really, no one took any liberties there. It was it was a, a hockey play, a play made on the puck, and now you've just negated a power play for your team. So thumbs up. Wasn't a great penalty for Wayne Simmons. Love the guy. Appreciate what he does out there. But in that instance, um, you know, to quote Louis Domingue, not the best. Not the best. I feel like not the best is a very good way to put it because I will say I understand Wayne Simmons' um, retaliating there like sometimes that one gets called and sometimes it doesn't in his defense while we're talking about how things kind of flow on a game to game basis when it comes to yeah. officiating and where things are in the game like the Leafs hadn't had a penalty yet right and and the Flames already had a few well even like even that. if you thought like even if you thought maybe that was a soft call by the referee yeah. then you definitely shouldn't be in there because you're like, you know the referee wants to even it up or he wants to get you right. back for one. Right. But so I will, I will, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd give it a full thumbs up. I think I'd respond to have the conversation. Like Wayne Simmons was not having a very good game. Like he was not looking, he was looking slow out there, unfortunately. And I, I think there's a conversation to be had about um, if Wayne Simmons is going to stay on the roster and come in occasionally, he needs to get, into game speed, like he didn't look that slow with. Like you want to, you would want him. You would want to see him. Like if 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 Sheldon Keefe knows he's probably not going to play Wayne Simmons for two weeks. Let's say you would he's want him to, to mix in a couple games with the Marlies. Like grab a grab a Thursday to. night game with the Marlies or a Sunday afternoon game with the Marlies. I think he's got a Frankie, don't you? Like it's just you can't. There's no way, and you know this more than I do. There's no way to say in game shape and game speed unless you're playing hard, games for uh, sure. And it's hard. And it's hard if you're young too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's hard if you're young, and and you know the thing that he'll have going for him is he's a veteran guy. He's been around. He knows the league well. But like Brian Hayes likes to say, Father Time is undefeated. And yeah. you know when you're when you're playing against the clock, that's a tough game to win. Why don't we get into one from one of my Woodbridge group texts, Julia? Which is always okay. interesting because you know there's a lot of people this who care about the team. A little egregious. And they speak. My friends like to speak with a lot of conviction. Let's see. So here's a text I got from someone. Leafs should trade Riley because Sandine is better. Thumbs up or flush? Block. You block that number. Block report delete. 
to the police. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just being call dramatic. Call the police. <laughs> yeah. Call the police and report my friend is missing and stolen and replaced with a body double. Because I, I, that just ain't right, Frankie. I don't think. And, and <laughs> it's just, you know, Sandine has had, well, first of all, he came back from his contract uh, squabble and had a tough start to the season. Like, he was Mr. Turnover to start the season. Mr. Pizza to Crosby. Like, it, it was. there's a few of them. It, it looked like he was off to a sure. It was a tough start. Yeah. Now he's on this little hot stretch, and suddenly <laughs> we're ready to discard Morgan Riley. Oh, what do you mean? We don't have recency bias in this market? Is that new no. to you? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very new to me. No, I'm flushing yeah. this one, and I'm blocking my friend. Yeah. You know, how, you, you know, you ever get into conversations with people, and they're going on and on about stuff, and, and you don't want to be rude, so you kind of hit them with, ha yeah, that's crazy, or like, <laughs> That's crazy, yes. LOL, right? Like th- that. Yeah. This is one of those ones where you just send like a ha ha or like an LOL and just be like, please don't message me about this anymore. All you <laughs> could do is giggle at that one because yeah, yeah. Rasmus Sandin is uh, tearing it up. Very good player. Right very good We're player. Very good him. power play par- player. But Morgan Riley has been such a good soldier for this team. He's carried this defense core uh, above and beyond for such a long time. It's a uh, it's a you know, Luke Wilson said it best. That is absurd. Okay, I like this. We'll keep talking about uh, Mr. Overdrive right now. Hayes tweet post game on Saturday. This was making the rounds in Twitter group chats and, and many other group chats around the NHL. Leafs have the most dominant four pack of forwards in the league right now. Thumbs up or flush. I wouldn't just thumbs up this message. I would heart this message. I would hold it down and go for the straight heart instead of the thumbs up because I think that is a slam dunk. At this moment in the NHL, we were just talking about recency bias. Yeah. We're talking about right now in the NHL, the most dominant four-pack of players. Yeah, it's the Leafs. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm a big thumbs up, and I'll even give it the heart as well. Um, I'll even throw in a check mark, you know, the green check mark. I love that one. But and, wow. and so you, you can make you can make a couple different comparisons around the league, like Edmonton, right? So you look at Edmonton, and you have – McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then if you want to say Nugent Hopkins and Hyman in there. Well, for me, the discrepancy between Hyman and Nugent Hopkins to McDavid and Dreisaitl is much larger than the discrepancy from Matthews and Marner to Nylander and Tavares. So as a top closing four, that gap by the day right now, Willie is right. So so for 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 the top four, yes, you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, but as a four forward unit. The Maple Leafs unit is is better, and the Leafs' record is better. Like the Leafs are a much better team than the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they're winning more games. They're high, They're they're higher in their division. Um, so that you know, I understand maybe the Edmonton guys might have mo- more points, but the team's success ultimately hinges on those four guys, and the Leafs are having more success as a team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the only maybe asterisk I'll put next to it is Evander Kane's not in the roster right now, and, and maybe that definitely knocks Hyman out of their top four and Yad Kane. I still like the Leafs over the I would Oilers. still pick the Leafs, and I would still, even even if what you looked Boston? at Boston, yeah. that was the other one we were looking at, right? So uh, Marshawn, Pasternak, Bergeron, and then is it Krejci? Is it Taylor Hall? Like, who is it? That's your fourth guy. Like, for the Leafs, it's clear cut. You know who the four are. Right. So that already tells me that, you know, the Leafs do have the most dominant four-pack of forwards in the league right now. Uh, Marner, next Leaf to win a major award. Thumbs up or flushy flush? It is a flush for me, Julia. And that is no slight on Mitch Marner. It's no disrespect for Marner. But 
if if you're thinking about the heart, okay, yeah. he's going to have to go up against McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, and and what are the expectations for him to be in that running? Is it 115 points? Is it 120 points? And you would you would be assuming that if you're the front runner for the heart, McDavid didn't have 130 points, which you know it, it's it's very difficult to do. And then the other thing, it's like Marner's not going to win the rocket. Um, yeah. You know, he maybe a Selkie. I was just going to say right? we've had the Marner Selkie cover. What about his Norris for those couple shifts he played on D? Like, in the yeah, it, it I'm seems, just kidding. It seems the far-fetched. Selkie or the Hart are, are the two that because you can kind because of the Art Ross the Art Ross is probably not going to happen because McDavid no. is going to have 130 points and he's going to be you know a, a huge point producer. Same with Drysaddle. Stranger things could happen, but if you're asking me if it's a thumbs up or a flush, I'm leaning more towards flush. I'm not out on Matthews winning the Rocket this year either, so I'll, I'll say that. Let's let's dunk on the Oilers once before we go to break. There's no way Jack Campbell <laughs> stays in Edmonton for the entire length of his deal. Thumbs up or flush? Oh, it's hard because it, it's it's no way. Like you're saying, there's no way this is going to happen. Um, I I want Jack Campbell to do well, Julia. I really do. He's a likable guy. Oh, like, me you know, too. He's He's. I think it's. I think it's a flush. It's a. I think it's a flush. I think he's gonna be in Edmonton for that deal. He's gonna find his game at some point. He may not be an all star, but at, at some point, this guy's gonna produce. You know, nine oh five, nine oh six goaltending. He has to, and 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 that. Like it's going to be a hard contract to move too if he doesn't. That's exactly produce. what I was gonna say. I was gonna right? say, yeah, like maybe he will remain in Edmonton, but. Maybe exclusively his contract will remain at Edmonton. If he's sub 900, who's taking that contract? Exactly. So he kind of has no choice but to produce in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, So in 13 games played for the Oilers, Jack Campbell's allowing on average 4.12 goals a game, and his save percentage right now is .872. And Stuart Skinner, I believe, has started the last four games in a row for the Oilers, which is very uncharacteristic for a so-called backup goaltender. Yeah, a lot of wild situations. Well, we saw one in, in Toronto on Saturday night. Vladar gets a start over Markstrom, who's fighting in this year. You look out in Florida. Actually, let's do one Florida question before we go to break. And, and this one's going to be quick, Frankie. You could just answer right. this one. Because uh, they got their own goalie thing happening right now. Yeah. Panthers go from President Trophy winners to playoff missers. <laughs> Thumbs up or flush. So you're saying they're they're going to miss? Ooh, yeah, that's tough because like when you look at that wild card, Islanders, Detroit, Rangers, Florida, Washington, all there. So if I if you're going to give me Florida versus the field, I'll take the field. So um, thumbs up there, Julia. Whew, with that, let's head to break. I'm Julia Tashiri. I've got Frankie Carrado with me for the next 15 or so minutes. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Might be hanging out some Leaf tickets on the other side. So make sure we see you there. This is Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Hey. Well, Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available hey. for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect hey. gift for any occasion. Julie Tashiri and Frank Rado with you for the next five or so minutes here. Earlier in the show, we were talking Michael Bunting, how good he's been lately, his long history with Kyle Dubas and, and, Sh- and Sheldon Keefe and even Matt Murray dating back to their days in the zoo, Frankie. And I heard this audio over the weekend and in my soul, I was I was 
convinced that this man will take a discount. Have a listen and see if you think the same. It's been like amazing. That's all I can say um, from the coaching staff and from the general manager, Kyle. They've really taken me in and helped me out a lot. Uh, the player development guy, uh, player development, Wes Clark, helped me out tremendously during the summer to get to where I am right now. And, and then Sheldon, just uh, ever since the start of the year, I, I was struggling at first, and then I just came up to him and asked him, what do I need to improve on? And he had no problem of taking his time, doing video with me, and showing me exactly what I need to improve on. And ever since then, like, my game has gone up, and I couldn't thank them any more. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's good there on, on that uh, Michael Bunting clip. But as a note, so Sheldon Keefe, checkmark. Maple Leaf, Kyle Dubas, obviously, checkmark, Maple Leaf, GM, Wes Clark, also, director of uh, yeah. player personnel and amateur scouting for the Maple Leaf. So he's got a lot of love for Leafs Nation, Frankie, as, as yeah. we're well aware. Well, listen, when it comes to, like, discounts and stuff like that, like, if a player's going to get close to or is going to get on par with, with market value, then, you know, you feel like you want to stay somewhere where it's familiar and, and you have a good rapport with people and you have a history, especially a positive history with people. So, listen, like Michael Bunting's had a great year. He obviously fits in really well with the group on the ice and off the ice. You can see, you know, in, in on Instagram in the summer, he's out there in Arizona with Matthews and Marner and they're doing all that awesome teammate stuff that, that you do. Yeah. And but But on the ice is, is more important. And that's where you make your money, and that's where you show your contribution to the team. And, you know, what he showed last year playing with those guys is, you know, that that was big. And, and now this year he's showing that, you know, he can he can contribute again. And, you know, it's maybe been a little more underrated, but it's been, you know, it's been another great step for him towards earning a, a long-term future here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to clarify to everyone, that was not Michael Bunting uh, right now. That is like 17-year-old Michael Bunting singing the praises of all this. Yeah, it's like an alternate tell, universe, like, Frankie. It's like an alternate crazy, universe. Like, it's crazy how much different the, the tone of voice is uh, you know, when, you're, when you're a teenager compared to an adult. Yeah, we should start pulling Frank Corrado OHL clips from... That would be probably pretty cringeworthy. Kitchener. I would love that. Okay, that that's on our... On our project uh, for next week. So, well, good show today, Monday. JT. This was fun. Good Monday. We did it. No Al's brother, no problem. Al's brother sent us both the best photo ever from his cruise. Just, just so everyone is well aware, the chest hair is out. Like he's got the vacation yeah. shirt on. He's feeling it. He's absolutely yeah. feeling it. And if you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca or the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julia Tashiri. I had Frank Corrado alongside me today for this lovely Monday show. Gameplay with Matt Cause is next.